Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, healers. It's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and The platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free, so hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone, and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So... It really is such a user-friendly platform, and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, too, and the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. 
BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the anxiety chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the anxiety chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And welcome, everyone, to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I am Allison Sepinara. And And I am Taylor. Taylor May. Am I saying that right? May or Marie? Marie. I'm sorry, Marie. (laughs) You're fine. (laughs) I actually love that name. I think it's so pretty. Well, welcome everybody. I am so excited to have you all here on this anxiety healing journey with Taylor and I. We are so excited to finally get the ball rolling on this healing podcast. It's been, um, gosh, how long in the works? Uh, Probably, I don't know, six months, seven? A long time, you guys. Oh, I'm sorry if you just heard my dog. He, Hi, uh, puppy. Yes, that is Izzy. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram, um, I do have a dog named Izzy and she's a very big part of my healing process. So um, you can see her at the Anxiety Healer. So yes, it's been uh, hard work doing all the technical stuff, but we are here. We're so excited today. We're going to talk to you all about anxiety healing, all about our journeys. We want to tell you a little bit about who we are, what brought us here, and what we can do hopefully to help you guys on your healing journey. Yeah, let's get into it. For sure. Okay. So I am Allison. I am on Instagram as the anxiety healer for those of you who don't know. And I have pretty much dedicated my life to um, psychology and counseling for my own personal healing and for others. So I am a licensed therapist in Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, about 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia, where my office used to be. Um, I have not been in there much for the last um, couple months because I don't know if you guys know, but there's this thing called the coronavirus going around. Um, So I've been doing remote. But I have been in the field for a long time, and I'm really excited to kind of be exploring this whole psychology of what's going on right now and tell you a little bit more about me. But um, the best thing is, is that we're doing this together, Taylor, because I bring my expertise in psychology and Taylor brings her own expertise in nutrition and dietetics and healing the body from the inside out. But um, are you, do you want to like talk about your journey with anxiety first before we get into me? I mean, yeah, we can just flow. I feel like I want to just not talk all the time myself. I want to kind of <laughs> get into 
what we do and how we ended up together here. But like, I do have my own healing journey and it has been, I mean, since I, I, here's the thing, I feel like most of you guys listening, um, can recognize if you do struggle with anxiety now that maybe you've always had it because I will say that I understand now as a child, anxiety looks so different than it does as an adult. So I look back now and I recognize that all my stomach aches when I was little, all of, um, you know, when I would be avoiding things that I still kind of avoid now, actually, um, try not to, but, um, especially very physical as a kid, I got a lot of tummy aches. I got a lot of headaches and a lot of that was related to my anxiety. So, um, it's just interesting kind of with my journey. It's It's been a very long time before I was really self-aware about my own emotions and my own thoughts related to it. But I look back now and I can honestly say that I've pretty much always struggled. Yeah. And it's actually funny sitting here because before we started pressing record, you and I were like flowing back and forth and like I was super talkative. And then like it feels like the second we pressed record, that perfectionist in me is like, say it right don't mess up. Like all these things started like hitting me. And and it's like, that brings me back to when I was actually a kid. I always felt, I didn't know it was anxiety, but like my anxiety manifested then as such perfectionism and like doing everything right and like not messing up. And like, I felt like I always feared the consequence of what was to come. So anyways, introducing myself, I am Taylor Murray. I run the platform um, Peak of Panic, but on Instagram, it's Uh, at health underscore anxiety. Um, My story is a bit different than Allison's as I am a licensed registered dietitian. So I actually got into my field for the wrong reasons. Um, I was super obsessed in college with being this ideal of healthy and this idea of what I thought healthy was. And to me, it was what you see on social media, the perfect body, um, just the outside of your image. And that's not health at all. And it took me going through extreme panic disorder and health anxiety to find that like what I thought was healthy was so far from healthy and it was actually doing so much to my mental health. Um, And it's funny, you kind of go through things in life to like lead you to your purpose. And so if I never went through what I went through, I never would have found my passion for helping people with my expertise to actually help your mental health through healing your insides first. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I totally can relate to you as well as far as like the perfectionism goes and oh, yeah. and thinking, um, you know, I've struggled mostly with health anxiety, but I also come from a family that I just have recognized in the past couple of years that they're very, it's very much a highly anxious people in my life that I've grown up around. Same. Yeah. So like, I love, I love my family to death. If my family is listening to this, I love you to death, but we are just all little anxious Annie's. Oh my gosh. I know. I, I mean, I love being around my family as much as possible, but sometimes I, so I'm so much more aware of my triggers now and, and in a lot of the work I've done and certain situations that create that anxious energy for me is just not good to be around for long periods of time. Sometimes I can handle it more than others. But um, yes, it's, it's very interesting when you become more aware of your own thoughts and your own feelings related to certain people and certain situations. And I can recognize that now that I definitely struggle with some health anxieties that probably could have 
really used some counseling for when I was younger. And now I go to counseling all the time. Um, I don't know if anyone listening is thinking about therapy or going to counseling, but if you can just, it's probably, I think that one of the hardest things, and I'll say this even in my private practice, one of the hardest things before or thinking about counseling is to actually taking the step and looking for someone and calling someone. It's, it's, it can be a very scary feeling to do that. Um, but just remember that it's takes so much courage and that taking that step is really for a better purpose. And also finding a therapist sometimes is like finding, you know, how did I describe it? The right pair of shoes the other day or something. It's you have to try a lot on sometimes to find the perfect fit. And again, not perfect, but find the right fit. So if you're thinking about it, you know, you can always message me on Instagram and I can help you through the process, but it can be so healing. And it was something that has just transformed my life. Yep. I think exactly what you said though, like you gotta, you gotta advocate for yourself. And that's what I'm big about on my page is I have been through the ringer with some therapists and you and I have talked about this. And even on my stories the other day, like I had this, I had this wonderful lady message me. And, you know, like you said, it takes so much courage to call and reach out and be vulnerable and say, I struggle and like, I want help. And then for like some therapists to just say some of the things they say and just not understand, it can be so hard and it can leave you like not wanting to try and help yourself and just crush you. But it's all about finding someone who works well with you. Yeah. And it's trial and error a lot. Oh, it totally is. I mean, everything with healing is trial and error. So, so much. Yeah. Just like learning and also advocating for yourself is so important. Having to, you know, you might get some pushback on different people that you see, doctors, therapists, whoever, and you just need to really learn and educate and advocate for yourself. It's just so important. My Um, whole life, I was like, doctors are, they're like almost like a, they had a God complex in my head. Like they were, they knew everything. They did this. So like every doctor I went to, I would listen to. And the older I've gotten, I've realized like no one is going to advocate for your health like you will. And if it's, if something doesn't feel right for you, like you have to be your own advocate. You have to push, you have to do what feels right for you and you only. 100%. Yes. I I mean, so much of that. And I, I feel like also if you're someone listening who struggles with health anxiety, then most likely you already are like concerned either about going to a doctor's appointment, right? It can feel so daunting sometimes to just go to those doctor's appointments. Even like just checkups sometimes. I feel like I'm in the waiting room and I posted this on my stories once because I was waiting for a dermatologist appointment and I literally was just checking my entire body and my moles. And I was... (laughs) Like every thought was just like, oh my gosh, that looks like it got bigger. That got, and for anyone that has freckles or moles, I mean, you have to be very careful because you have to watch them really well. And if the shape changes or the color changes, you just want to make sure that you go and and see a dermatologist. But oh my gosh, in the waiting room for five minutes, I, I can't even tell you. My my brain was going crazy of just thinking I was dying. Like I'm literally sitting in this chair. I'm like, oh, I'm dying. I'm, yep. I have melanoma. Yep. This is going to be my, my, the day I, they tell me. Right. It, I was, oh gosh. I okay. We, we got to do a whole episode on health anxiety because as my followers know, I have 
probably had every inch and cell in my body examined at this point. But like you said, though, actually, I used to, when my health anxiety and panic disorder first developed, um, I couldn't even get myself to go to a doctor's exam because the thought in my head was you are already dying and like you have a terminal illness. So like I feared so much like showing up and then listening to my heart and being like, oh my gosh, we got to go. Like it's time. It's your time. We're opening you up. Like (laughs) that's just like my thoughts were like, bam, bam, bam. And then the second I started going to the doctor, it was like horrible because I looked for that reassurance in everything. So like the doctor became my like if I get this checked out, then I'll be okay. And then it was always another symptom, another disease that I worried about. And you know, you know the pattern. Oh my gosh, for sure. Well, you actually brought up a good point because I, you know, in talking a little bit more about how I got where I am. Um, so I, in a, I'll just tell you a little bit about my, my past story about how I became a psychologist. And then um, because you were talking a lot about thoughts and I do specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is um, essentially looking at the thoughts and how they create certain emotions and behavior patterns. So we'll get to that in a second. But I actually just thought of something so funny as far as when I was really young, trying to figure out kind of, you know, you figure out what you want to do. I mean, how many people actually really know what they want to do even when they graduate high school, right? You have to like pick a major in college if you go to school, or I just think it's so young to even know what you want to do. But um, for some reason, I was, I don't even, I think it was eighth grade. Um, You know how they have like superlatives, like most likely to do this, most likely whatever. I got voted most likely to be a counselor in eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? I think I was like, what's funny is I was actually most like outgoing or something or like most chatty. But what's funny is the older I've gotten, I've realized I was an introvert trying to be an extrovert to make everyone happy. And we'll get into that, but keep going with your story. But it's just, it's funny. Like, yeah, I mean, and the way that you, you know, I think about now and I, I'm so grateful because I, I honestly don't feel sure about a lot of stuff in my life, mostly because I have my own self-doubts, but I'm so sure about my profession. I love being a counselor. I love helping people heal. I feel like I was put on this earth to do this. So I'm so happy that I can look back and say, wow, people voted me most likely to be a counselor in eighth grade. And who even knows? You know, like that concept. And back then, I mean, I'm turning 40, you guys, by the way, this weekend. Don't tell anyone. But um, Oh, my gosh. Happy <laughs> early birthday. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm actually excited. I'm embracing my age. But, you know, back – It's just a number nowadays. It, I agree. Um, but I don't even – back when I was in eighth grade, it was in the 90s, maybe early 90s or something. Um, and, you know, mental health was – there was there's still a stigma around it. But mental health was not as progressive as it is today. Let's just say it that way. So – um, even, even having that like voted, I was thinking, what if I remember thinking to myself, I said, great, what am I going to do with that? I remember being like, what am I going to do with that? I did not think of it as a career. I remember just feeling like, what does that mean? Okay. And then when I got to college, I was a psychology minor. I took this one class that I loved and I remember thinking to myself, wow, I think I'm really good at this. Like it was a, it was a counseling psychology class. So it wasn't necessarily based on all theories and memorization stuff. I wasn't really a good student either, by the way. I not a good student, but I had I had some ADHD and I was very like couldn't focus well. So taking tests was really hard for me. Um, and 
studying was really hard for me. But when I got to college, I took these classes that, you know, was more interactive and dealt with actually talking to each other and even writing papers I was better at. So this one class I took and I loved and I said, I think I can do this as my career. Like I believe in this now. And I ended up joining. And what age was that? I was a junior, I was a junior in college. Okay. And I had gone to college for communications. I thought I wanted to be in sales or marketing. You know, I was always, you know, thinking of myself in this like a business suit, uh, going downtown Philly, like walking around doing corporate stuff. I mean, I don't know. My dad was (laughs) in corporate America. So I just always thought that. And, you know, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't love any of that because I actually went to a school where I had some internships doing that. And I was like, no, this is not for me. And I love human behavior and I got involved in all, you know, different psychology groups. And there was like a peer counseling group I got involved in. I interned at a bereavement center. And then I knew with psychology, you have to go get your master's degree, basically, if you you know, this is, and this is the, in the U.S. at least, but you, you really need a master's degree in psychology in order to kind of have any type of lifestyle that is su- substantial financially. Um, so I did and it, and it was great. And actually a school, I, I really did like school, but it was also part of me that felt like I was still didn't really need to grow up yet. I don't know if you ever had that, but I think I liked school because I felt like I was still, I didn't really need to be an adult yet kind of like keep going, keep floating in. in, in right. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are like professional students. Like they just keep majoring in different things. Like they're smart people, but they just, it's hard to like find not being a student and actually like getting into the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's hard, but you know, then I, actually graduated, I got a job in Philly doing um, some behavioral health work with the inner city population. And then I uh, became certified in school counseling and I went and I got um, I got some jobs in a, a high school in downtown Philadelphia at an inner city high school and then an emotional support school out in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And let me just tell you how you know, sobering it is to work in environments that are underserved and underprivileged populations, because it's so sad to say this as someone who believes, you know, I mean, mental health and taking care of your mental health is so important. But in in graduate school, we don't really learn multicultural counseling. It's very much a Western, white, middle, upper class type of teaching that they teach you. I mean, maybe it changed. I was there like 15 years ago, but I remember being at my first job and really just feeling so powerless, I guess. And I wasn't able to use a lot of the, what they had taught me in my grad school about with, with some of my clients. It was almost like a lot of the clients that I have were not even getting their basic needs met. And I was trying to help be so helpful in a way that I didn't really know. And it was a lot of social work, um, you know, type of responsibilities I had, which I, I, I love too, but it was, it was kind of interesting. So, um, I have a private practice now and I love it, but it really is, it's really the pathway of psychology is hard. So if anyone's listening and feels like they want to get into, into counseling, 
um, there's so many different routes you can go down and, and it's, it's sometimes hard to know where, where to start. So, I mean, I'm happy to help anybody, but I don't know if you experienced that in your, in your schooling at all. But um, I'm actually sitting here listening to you, like feeling like you had it figured out by eighth grade. And I'm a little jealous. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, she knew by eighth grade. And here I was. So I was actually a a freshman in college. And I was once again, hard on myself. Um, at this point, I had been prescribed ADHD medication, not going to say any names or anything, but um, I was not looking back. I should have never been put on it. Um, but the perfectionist in me loved it because it helped me work harder and be better, but it also made me, um, full of myself. I feel like I felt like smarter than everyone. I felt like just all this pressure on my back. Like I had to grow up and be a doctor at the Mayo Clinic. And if I didn't make it there, I was a failure. So I actually went in as pre-med and I did my freshman year super, I was super hard on myself. I graduated with a 4.0. And that was not from just being smart. That was from me literally staying up 24 hours a day studying and also maintaining a social life and just basically stressing my body out to the max. Um, And thinking about it, I didn't even want to be a doctor. I just did it because it seemed like that was you have made it if you were. And so I remember the uh, summer before freshman year, I mean, no, sophomore year. I was like, I don't even like this. Like, what am I doing? I was like freaking out. I didn't really know anything about anxiety then, nor have anxiety. Um, but I, I coped with a lot of my anxiety with like maintaining the perfect outward image to others. So to others, I came off outgoing. I came off perfect. I had to have the perfect body. So I was running like six miles a day, eating what I thought was healthy. But looking back, it was definitely orthorexia, which is like extreme health, like to the point where it's like not even healthy for you. Like everything Mm -hmm. was deemed either good or bad. And so I was a twig to say the least. Um, but yeah, so I basically was like, Ooh, I can get this major where I can study nutrition and just obsess about it more all day long. And this is the perfect major for someone who, you know, wants even more of a perfect life or whatever, outward image. Right. So I got into nutrition, not even knowing what I would do with dietetics. Like, and it's just crazy. Like I didn't even know what dietetics was. I just got into it because I wanted to obsess a little more about health. Right. And not from a health, like I like, not even like health. Like I, I don't even think I knew what health was, you know, like to me, health was like what you looked like on the outside, which is not health. Um, right. So right. then I got hit with extreme, extreme, extreme panic disorder. And so many people are like, you don't seem like you have any anxiety. And that's because it's easy for me to like cover it up. But also like I was having probably 10 to 15 panic attacks a day. And I'm not kidding oh when I say every single day felt like I was dying. Like, oh my I, gosh. yeah, like, I wish I could get my mom on a podcast one day because, I mean, they were the only ones who knew my fiance, who was my boyfriend at the time. Like, he's a saint. <laughs> but um, I remember just being like, I wanted to quit school. I didn't think I could do it. I was coming home every single weekend and I was like, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I will never be anything in life. Like, there was no career path in my mind because I didn't even think I was going to wake up the next day. 
Um, So I was lost. A perfectionist who literally went from 4.0 succeeding to a loser. Like I was getting C's and D's. I wasn't getting attendance points. I could barely go to class without sweating and leaving with like a severe panic attack. Um, I'll never forget this one biochem test. I don't even know what I put on the paper. Like he had to look at it and be like, is this girl okay? Is she on drugs? Because I was sweating and um, my heart was pounding so fast. I could hear it in my ears. I was literally getting up and going to the restroom like every five minutes. I just like turned something in. I don't even remember. Oh my God. And so, yeah, in my head, I was like, I was going nowhere. <laughs> so I that think went of, on. I think of biochem. Oh. I, like, I literally am having a physical response right now to even hearing biochem because that is so far from my brain and what it can <laughs> process that information, like science, all of that to me makes my head spin. I'm not even kidding. And I can't imagine. Oh, Allison. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> Nutrition and dietetics in undergrad is nothing like what you think it would be. Oh my God. There is no sitting down. Like it's so many, like just you're literally learning every mechanism of the body. And yeah. I think that being in classes like biochem and anatomy and human physiology and being on ADHD medications that makes you so hyper focused on these things, I was so hyper focused. Like all of all the mechanisms it takes just for one heartbeat to happen, that caused panic in me. I was like, how does my heart know how to beat? And then when like the panic disorder got bad, I was like, how will my heart remember to beat through the night? Like, or what if I'm breathing property properly? Like just these very weird thoughts because I was so obsessed and consumed and surrounded with health, right? Well, I was just going to say, and- you're, you're so surrounded by it too. Exactly. I think that was, yeah, I think that was a huge component. And then I like hit this like roadblock where I was like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing to my body? I run six miles a day. I barely eat because I'm on this ADHD medication. I don't even know if I drink water. I drink all of this caffeine. It was like I literally woke up from the grave one day. <laughs> and I was like, what have I been doing to myself? And so, yeah, I, it's funny hearing your story and how like, your career path was just kind of like, like by junior year, senior, even senior year, I was like, I'm a loser and I'm going to be a loser in life. Like that's truly how I felt. Like I was like, I will do nothing. And so it's so funny for me how like everything is like, everything happens for a reason because if I never like had that like obsession with like body image and like what I was eating and all of that. I would have never gotten into nutrition and dietetics. And then I would have never gotten into when I went into my master's degree, which I was probably going on one year panic attack or yeah, panic attack free. I think it was one or almost on my second year panic attack free um, is when I, in my master's, I really focused on um, the gut brain connection and just like how much our gut and our insides can affect our mental health and why there are so many people on this world nowadays with mental health issues. I mean, it's, it's insane. That, it, uh, yeah. The studies, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be an episode too, is all. Oh yeah. For, for sure. For sure. We're going to have, we're going to have guests on here too, like different experts that are going to talk a lot about that. And I mean, it's it's only been honestly in the last couple of years that that 
medical professionals have actually been talking about how the brain gut access and and how integrative doctors are now doing more research into the mind body connection and that that is not a long time <laughs> so oh. it's this is oh, new so they, it's, it's like new they don't want it to go mainstream of yeah well and that's i mean issue it's but. it's it's actually been around a long time people are just now doing their own research so there's been gut brain access studies from so long ago but no one just ever like you know a lot of things back when i was young even like essential oils and things i used to be like oh that's some like woo woo stuff mm -hmm. you know and i know a lot of people feel that way like oils oils can help me and like yeah. these things like these <laughs> you know people look at it and they're like that's crazy talk like yeah. meditation that's crazy talk yeah yeah i mean but there's but a reason why uh, the, some of those things work very effectively for people, right? I mean, it's not for oh, yeah. everybody, but but I always encourage people, listen, it's not for everybody. It might not be for you, but why not just right. try it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If right. you're looking for some type of help, why not just try see what happens, you know? And it's funny that you talk about, um, you know, the uncertainties with kind of your career path and how that went. And obviously, we're going through different health, mental health struggles. Um, and, you know, I look back and I wasn't necessarily, it's so funny how our body and how we all respond to anxiety differently because you responded very physically, right? Like you had panic, panic attacks, a lot of panic attacks. Mine was extreme. Just like every day was a new uh, health issue in my mind. Like that, all of my anxiety, I would say was health related. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't care what Billy Joe thought about my, about me. Like I had no cares about anyone around me. I was just worried that I was dying. Yes. And I think that part, you know, I think that there's part of me now that looks back that recognizes I, I had that too, but it wasn't as intense because I was, I was literally es trying to escape all of that. I was escaping all of those feelings and all of those thoughts by like, I wish I could have escaped. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when I say that, it's not the healthy way, right? I was in my yeah. 20s and I was hanging out with my friends and hanging out with different groups of people that maybe was drinking a little bit too much and trying to find these outlets that were very unhealthy to escape yeah. my feelings and try and actually numb like really what was going on in my mind. And really what it came down to was I hated who I was. I did not like myself. 
And I hated myself for so long. Yeah. Not alone. And, and no, and, and just not feeling good enough for the world, not feeling good Never. enough for anything that I did. And to be honest, you know, I talk about my career like this because like I said before, it's the only thing I felt sure about in my life, like really, yeah. really 1000% sure. And that's kind of how I defined myself all those years, which is why, and I'm so oh, okay, yeah. okay with saying this, but I'm single and I don't have kids. I'm turning 40. And believe me, I've worked on so much about this in the last 10 years of my life that I'm so open. If anyone that follows me on, on Instagram knows that I talk about my life all the time, I'm very open about my thoughts and my feelings. It's part of my healing process. And I'm not ashamed anymore to kind of say this is my journey and I'm here and I'm single. I have no kids. I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm actually- This is why I love you. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> I've told you this before. Uh, I, I just, you are like so real. And that's why we are just the duo. We will give it to you. Yes. How it is. Exactly. I mean, and you too, girl. Like I, and for anyone that is just tuning in as well. So I love this about us too, because how old are you, Taylor? 25. So Taylor's 25 and I'm 40. And I love that we can speak to maybe different experiences um, to different age groups because even though we might have this kind of different difference of ages which is not that big but we still f can relate to each other on so many things that relate oh, so to anxiety many, yeah. and so many experiences that we've have related to anxiety so um i think that you know so i, I what was i saying before about you know being being able to love yourself and being able to say that i'm good enough and I deserve, I deserve what I have in my life. I've worked hard enough and not minimizing the things that you've done. Um, yeah. And recognizing that even though you may struggle with anxiety or depression or other mental illnesses, whatever they might be, does not mean anything about feeling fulfilled in your life, feeling happy. Like you can 100% lead, lead a fulfilling, happy, carefree life and, and struggle with anxiety sometimes. And it's just about kind of finding the right treatment. And, and I, and Thank you for saying that. Yes. And like, it's honestly it's like, I'm, I'm still, I'm still dealing with that. Like the other day I was like, like my fiance, he's very proud of me and like my page, but like, sometimes it's hard for me. It's hard for me to be like, like I minimize it so much. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's, it's nothing. And like, he'll like tell his family about it. And like, talk me up and like all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, stop. Like <laughs> I get so like, I minimize myself all the time. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's really hard because guess what? That's like our brain works. Well, I, I talk about this all the time is how we have like 70,000 thoughts a day and 80% of them are negative. Like one study showed that 80% of our thoughts every day are negative. So wow. we literally just, our brain automatically automatically goes to that negative space sometimes. And so we literally have to actively, actively change the way that our thought patterns are by reframing how we think and how, and by recognizing that, um, you know, we, we can see strengths that we have and we have to really, we have to like write them down. I mean, this is part of the work that I do for myself and with my clients about learning how to really love yourself is trying to like identifying those things that even if there's like 1% of you that believes, okay, yeah, I am kind, right? Or I'm, I am smart. Yeah. And maybe there's 99% of you that can find 
all of those reasons why you're not, but there's still a little part of you that believes that that good thing about you, that's in there and you have to try and create that space to have that be what takes over your brain, like that positive. That That's why affirmations are so effective and mm-hmm. um, being able to really just have these concrete statements that you believe about yourself, even if it's like 1% of you believes it, it's still in there and you need to kind of make it louder in your brain and recognize that that really that you're worthy, right? And that everyone- motivated. Everyone <laughs> is worthy on this yes. earth. And it's so hard to recognize that worthiness when- you're around people that are toxic for you when you're around a job that makes you, you know, is maybe not a, a good environment that, that you feel like there's different things that you're not really handling the right way, or there's people around you. I mean, so many different parts of your life that, that you can always find something that you just like, it's, that's your fault or right. Or, or like that yeah. you did wrong or something, but also, you have to love those parts of you that maybe do make mistakes too. Right. That's that's such a – God, that almost like brings me to tears when you say that because I just – I think back to like all the years I truly – like I never said it to myself, but I would look in the mirror and I just, I just hated myself. Like I hated everything about myself. I didn't – there was just so much I would just tear myself up about. And like wrapping back to like my um, – I don't think I finished – my uh, journey to becoming what I am and working with mental health. Uh, So I actually was panic attack free and I was so proud of myself. I I went back to school. I remember crying so hard leaving my house and I was like, because I was going to quit. I was going to quit it all. I was, I was like, there's no way I can go back. I can't do it. Like all the, you know, all the bad things you say to yourself, I can't, I'm not, I, I won't. And, uh, I went back and I, I, I graduated and I was so proud of myself. So I know you had to go through this too, but when you get a degree in dietetics, it's not done from there. You have to do, did y'all have to do an internship? Yeah. Yes. We, yeah, we had to do, um, I'm saying, I'm trying to remember if it was one or two, but we definitely had to do one. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, you have to get a certain amount of hours in, you have to, first you have to apply, which is super competitive and you have to get an internship. Then once you complete your internship, you are then eligible to take the board certified uh, exam. But nowadays you have to get a master's, but I I did that just, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. But anyway, so I applied, I was like, so proud of myself. Like I got this degree. I did it. I was kind of feeling like hopeful, like my life was coming back to me. And like, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with my degree, but I was like, I'm just going to go work in a hospital. I don't know. And so, um, I applied and I didn't get accepted. And a lot of it was because of that one year. I mean, my grade from my grades were horrible from, uh, struggling with panic disorder. And so I had so much anger and frustration, like, why did I have to go through that? Like, look, it set me back. Like now I'll never be anything like, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like, it felt like another setback. And so I almost let that get me down. I remember I cried so hard and I was like, just beating myself up and, uh, just kind of going back and down a spiral into a bad headspace. And then I applied, I got second round pick from this other internship that actually was, it was an internship and a master's at the same time. So it was going to be like heavy 
<laughs> yeah. And I was like, I can do it. I've been through anxiety. I've been through panic disorder. I am so strong. I can do anything. Like nothing is too hard now. And so I think it's just so awesome how and, – and so it gets better. So actually when I was going through, I got to pick all of my rotations in Dallas. And so I got to pick where I did my hours and I got to spend a lot of hours with a lot of mental health stuff, uh, dealing with eating disorders and how eating disorders and mental health go hand in hand. And I got to – the compassion I developed, and I'm sure you feel this too – I can see when people are struggling and like, I just know exactly like what they need in that moment. Like they don't need advice or what to do. They literally just want to hug and they just want, they just want to hear like me too. And we've talked about this before, but there's so many healthcare professionals who have such a hard time and there's so many blurred lines about what you can and cannot share and I think we come from a beautiful place of like, we, we want to share everything, the raw, the real, the dark sides, um, not just the happiness. Like I'm a healthcare professional, but I have a past. You're a healthcare professional, but you have a past. And that's what people want to know. Like they want to feel not alone because I know how alone I felt and I never want anyone to feel that way. No. And I, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, honestly, I think it's, I, I know we've talked about this before, but especially as a therapist, I mean, yeah, you go on my Instagram and I share a lot about my life and, you know, there's still a little stigma attached to sharing things about yourself as a therapist to clients, um, which I don't do unless it's in, you know, their best interest in my private practice. But, um, there's something, there's something I think it really has to do with trust, right? So yeah. that is the biggest thing when you're talking to any type of medical professional, mental health or medical, you you want to be able to trust this person. I mean, you're going, you're going to a therapist, you're you're not gonna really know this person, right? And you're supposed to just be like so vulnerable with them and share your deepest, darkest feelings with this person who you are just meeting for the first time. And that is a really scary thing. And some people might think, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. What? How are you? How are you supposed to help me? And, you know, I just met you. And so being able to, and part of trust is really knowing that someone is who they say they are right? And right. who's not judgmental and who's going to accept you and, and create a safe space for you and actually hear what's happening to you. Not even just in the therapy room, but like you were saying before, so many other doctors, I've seen so many GI doctors and other um, uh, primary care doctors where I'm for, I do not feel heard at all. I mean, they literally are, at all. are not listening to me at anything I'm saying. and And I just don't, I don't understand that. And so, you know, the best people that I've seen are people that I've known through people that I've trusted, right? They've right. They said to me, this is kind of how this person is. And, um, you know, she's so great. She'll really, she wants to know all about you and, you know, or he, but really it's, it's almost like, how do you, how do you find that? And how do you learn to trust someone? And one of the biggest ways is to let that person know that you're also human and that, yeah, you can you can, you can empathize with what they're going through and i'm not just you know i'm not this expert in something that's going to tell you what to do because i know best right like exactly. that is not exactly. how it works it's not i'm here all. yeah like for me i always tell my clients 
we are on this process together and we're a team and I just want to guide you to your best self, but I am here with you. I am never going to pretend that I know you better than you. And hopefully I create a safe space for you because that's the most important thing. Yeah. And I've, t- I've told you this story before about the best doctor visit of my entire experience with anxiety was when I went to this ER, I was very off balanced. I felt like I had something in my brain was messed up. I had gotten a CT scan. It was fine. So doctors were really annoyed with me at this point. Like they were done. They were like, I don't know what else we could do for you. Like it's all in your head. And I was just defeated. And I remember my mom was like, she was mad at me. Everyone was mad at me. They were so done. And this nurse asked my mom to leave the room. So my mom leaves the room and he closes the door and he looks at me. And I could almost cry talking about this because it was the most comforting moment of my life. He looked at me and he goes, do you know why I am what I am now? He goes, because I was you one day. I used to sleep in the parking lot of ERs because my panic attacks were so bad, but I couldn't afford going inside every time. So just the comfort of being outside of an ER in case something went bad um, comforted me. And I just want you to know it'll get better. And what you're going through is not something that others don't go through. Um, And it led me to like what I'm doing now. And I get to help people like you. And I'm just really glad to be able to share my story with you. And I remember I left that with so much hope. Like just him having the courage to be like, I know what she needs in this moment. It's not people to say, you're fine, just quit. It's for someone to look at her and say, you're not alone. He knew like, you know, and like, and I talked about even in my internship, I was getting so frustrated with like, oh, this isn't for me. There's so many rules. Like I remember this mentor was like, you need to like Watch your transference. Remember we talked about this? She oh, was transference. Like, yes. <laughs> she was like, watch like sharing your story with people and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, this girl just literally needs a hug. Like she literally just needs to be told she's not alone. Like I see it. Like we're, we're tearing her apart by not being a human with her. And like, that's what led me to starting my own private practice. And I know I'm sure you feel that way too, is sometimes there's just so many rules and like it's got to be like based off of how you feel with the client and how and what the client needs. Yeah. I mean, I am such a humanistic therapist where yes. um and I I believe me, I know so many people in my field that are um very <laughs> traditional and uh, psycho yeah. uh, psychodynamic psychoanalysis and it's fine and actually so many different types of um theoretical orientations are amazing for different types of people. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the best for everybody. And I don't, I don't think anyone should say that um, as far as any medical professional goes, because not everyone is going to fit with everyone's style of the way that they treat people. And that is 100% okay. That's actually really good because we need variety, you know, but, but there is something about just being human and knowing that, you know, you are not made of stone. You know, like I'm not made of stone. I go through my own struggles and I feel okay with expressing that I do. I'm not going to do that in the middle of a therapy session when you know, a patient's <laughs> crying to me. No, yeah. of course I'm not going to you know, talk about Listen the to my struggles right, too, okay? Exactly. Can I tell you though, 
like how much that's happened to me. I went through three different, three or four different therapists and I'm not even kidding. Really? I'm not even kidding. And it might be because I kind of am very in tune with obviously like human behavior and stuff too. So it's yeah. hard, but I remember one session sitting and literally I was like, I haven't talked in 10, I haven't been able to talk in 10 minutes. Like I was oh. with my therapist. Yeah. I, I have one now that I love. Huh. It's amazing, but it's, it was just very off-putting for me. But um, <laughs> I actually had the opposite experience with one. Like she literally, my mom made this appointment for me. And first of all, I'm not kidding. The facility looked from the outside. It had bars on the windows. It looked like an insane asylum and the walls were all white. And when I went in, it was just bad environment, bad juju oh, already. Oh, oh, and then yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in the room and it's this like lady and she just has her leg crossed around her other leg. And she's just looking at me. And I mean, She's not saying a word. And say, oh, she's like, no. mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. that is uncomfortable. I'm like writing it down. And I'm like, can I leave? <laughs> can I please go? Or am I going to get locked up here? Oh, my gosh. Like, she's like checking me in, you know? Like, she's like, yep, this girl's insane. Yes. Well, I can. I feel like I can read the room well enough to know if someone's uncomfortable with like a silence. I can start off the session or some people, you know, I know some clients that might need a little bit of time before before I say speak or say something, but that can be just as uncomfortable, right? Like just sitting there um, <laughs> I and know. saying hello, especially if it's someone's first time in therapy. I've noticed that it's it's hard because you just, you I don't know, you feel like you want a little bit of guidance, right? It's kind of- She like had to have seen the sweat on my forehead. Like she had to. Like, I'm not kidding. I think she had to have seen my heart beating in my chest at that point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I listen, if, if this podcast helps- even one person feel more comfortable to reach out and get some counseling or just say that I struggle with this and that's okay, then I will be happy even if there's one person because that's really just what I'm hoping to get out of this whole thing is just to raise awareness for mental health and anxiety and depression and reduce the stigma a little bit more and help people understand that, you know, everyone struggles with something, everyone. And- And it is 1,000% okay to talk about it. And it's even better than okay. It's healthy to talk about it. It's empowering to talk about it. And it's freeing. And it's not a sign of weakness at all. It's no. like the bravest, one of the bravest things you can do is to say, I struggle with this. And maybe it's not debilitating anxiety, right? Maybe you just have – you really feel overwhelmed a lot of times or you um, – there's certain days that you feel really down on yourself or – um, you just don't know kind of how to get out cer- out of certain funks. I mean, talk about it. It's yeah. okay. Talking and- about it is the best thing I've ever done for myself. And I've even had people be like, you don't look like you had panic disorder or you don't look like you have anxiety. And I'm like, what is anxiety? I know. Like? I love that. That's my favorite. I got that my entire life too. You are so confident. What does it look like? You're so strong. Guess what? Oh. Guess what? What does anxiety look like? nothing. Can anyone tell me? If anyone figures out that answer, no. tell me. Yeah, okay? let me know. Send because, a pic. Yes, please. <laughs> put, please give it the, the the answer. And and if you're if you're listening to me thinking like, wait, you're a psychologist, don't you know? Listen, yes, the DSM, our Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, that's like a thousand pages. Of course, you can look in there and look at the symptoms of what creates yeah. an anxiety disorder or panic disorder or social anxiety disorder or PTSD. Yes, there's criteria for it. But even then, it still looks very different for everybody. Yeah. 
And it's not an image. It's it's nothing on the outside. No, no. It's it's so I think some of the people who struggle the most actually their life looks the best to you. Well, from the outside. And, right. And you you talk about perfectionism, right? And Yeah. I mean, growing up, people were probably like, she's so happy. She has a great family. Like, she must be so happy. Like, look at her life. Like, but on the inside, I was like, I don't even know if I enjoyed most things because it was all focused around like, well, what are they thinking? Like, I hope I'm doing this right. Like, I don't even know if I lived in the moment looking back, you know? I know. Well, hey, and that's something we're going to talk about more in these episodes too, about how so much of anxiety and the thoughts that we have that are anxious have everything to do with things that haven't happened yet in the future or things that already have happened in the past that we're still thinking about, right? All of our anxious thoughts are in the past or in the future. If we're living in the present moment, right now in this moment where you are safe, right? Like say, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm safe and I'm hoping that you are, um, or you're in the car. And in this present moment, that's why breathing is so important. And recognizing that you are on the ground, you feel your feet on the ground, you say to yourself, I'm here. This is where I am right now. I'm breathing. I'm okay. And then trying to train your brain to kind of continuously stay in that moment, right? And stay still. And that takes a lot of practice. Believe me, I'm not, I do it. I still practice every day. And honestly, it's like a lifelong journey, you guys. So I'm hoping that you're not thinking you're going to listen to this and I'm going to give you some like magic potion that's just going to take your anxiety away because that's not how it works. But you can 1000% create, create a mind that is, that's just creates stillness, right? Like you don't have all of these racing thoughts or intrusive thoughts every single second of the day anymore. It's possible. So, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one for me. Cause a lot of people say, oh, I've heard recovery isn't possible. But like in my mind, like I believe that recovery is being able to live a life. Like when you're deep into anxiety, you kind of lose yourself. You lose your life. Every day is spent in just this extreme anxious time. And it is possible to get out of that. It is possible to not have panic attacks. It is possible to be able to go and enjoy yourself without fear. And that's recovery to me. And if that's recovery to you, then yeah, recovery is possible. But dealing with just like being anxious every once in a while or having just some intrusive thoughts, that's, I think everyone has that. Everyone has some type of worry to a certain degree. And if you don't, then I'm a little worried about you. But right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I'm excited for for our future episodes, and you guys, we have a lot of a lot of great topics coming up. We're we're going to talk about health anxiety. We're going to talk about um, coronavirus, specifically related to pandemic anxiety, and um, what you can do to kind of help yourself during these uncertain times. We're going to talk about social anxiety. We're going to talk about how to overcome unwanted negative thoughts and. Gosh, there were so many. Can you think of anything? I mean, there's so many I'm trying to think of, but just oh. keep sending us ideas. Yes, we love and it. gut health. I forgot gut health and all of that. Um, but I will say, here's my tip. I want to give a tip every episode, okay? An anxiety healing tip because I want to make sure that there's something that you can get out of this by the end of it, right? And figure out. I'm very much about like taking action, right? And doing things 
behaviorally to change your behavior because it really is effective in changing your mindset, right? So the one thing I'm going to suggest is if you're sort of in your journey and you maybe you have you're thinking of reaching out to a counselor, I don't know. But if you're thinking you really want to just start tapping into certain thoughts that might be creating anxiety or depression and tapping into your mindset, I would 1000% recommend starting a journal. Okay. And now I don't want you to cringe with hearing the word journal because <laughs> some people do. They're just like, oh, that's so, I don't, what is that? I don't mean going to, you know, home good. You have to like buy a really nice, pretty journal and just, you know, put the date at the top and say, dear diary. Okay. No, you don't now have to do that. What I mean is, it can be a it can be a copybook or you know a loose leaf paper something but whatever every day i want you to at least take 10 to 15 minutes out of your day to just write what's in your head on paper and i want you to write it i don't want you to put it in your notepad i think it's good too if you want to put it in your notepad in your uh, phone fine at least you're getting it out but i would highly recommend writing things out um it, it really helps in retaining information and kind of really helps your brain to process things differently when you write them out because your brain is almost moving slower as you write it out, um, which I know sounds odd, but research has shown actually it helps you helps create more, more mindful type of thinking. And so I want you to just try and write down just anything that is in your brain. I don't want you to worry about punctuation. I don't want you to worry about grammar doing about anything, just sort of do something we call in, th- in psychology free association. You literally just write anything that's in your brain out on paper. Just I love that. Just to get Love it. that tip. Yeah. So start with that. Um, that was actually huge for me because what I would do is, I mean, it took a while to get to this point, but I would write down like if I was having a panic attack or like the symptoms, writing them down. And then the next time I was having a panic attack, it's almost like you forget like how crazy it felt that one time. You're like, no, this is different this time. But when you go back and read each panic attack, you're like, oh my gosh. Like I felt this before and quote of the day, this too shall pass. So going back and looking at your journal and being like, look, it passed this time, it passed this time, and this time it'll pass again. It'll always pass. I love that. This too shall pass is one of my coping statements I I have all around my- I say it every day. My apartment. And that's that's another- healing tip, but I'll give you, I'll give you two today. Um, if you have certain coping statements that you really resonate with, write them on post-it notes and put them around your house or apartment so you can visually see them like your bathroom mirror. Amazing. You can visually see it and say it out loud to yourself every morning, every night before you go to bed. Love it. Remember when we said, oh yeah, the podcast will only be like 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> Guess how long has it been? Oh my gosh. Almost an hour. <laughs> you guys, if you're still listening, thank you so we much. We love you. <laughs> because episodes won't necessarily be this long. And so I hope you guys are are still listening. Um, and please uh, leave us feedback. Give us feedback. This is our first episode. We're kind of getting used to it. We want to make it the best for you guys. So, I mean, if this was boring, honestly, please tell us. I don't even care. Just let us know because <laughs> we're doing this for you. Um, and and let yeah, just let, let us know because we want to do the best we can. Yeah, and give us a follow at I'm at health underscore anxiety on Instagram, and Allison is I am the anxiety healer 
on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm Help Heal Anxiety. And you can also find some courses for me on theanxietyschool.com if you're looking for some healing online courses. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about my blog. Yeah, say so Peekapanic.com. There you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.